I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I too am America. Langston Hughes, 1925. What is the conversation of diversity, equity, inclusion have to do with who we are today? Today's topic and discussion is diversity, equity, inclusion, and the misdirection of the conversation. Is it for us, those of the underclass, to have a conversation about diversity, equity, inclusion, or is it for the elite class to have a conversation about equity and inclusion with those who are representatives of the underclass or Even better, what qualifies a person to sit at the table to have a conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion? On today's episode of The Aspiring Intellectual, we will delve deep into the understanding of what it means to sit at the table. I bring this question and this topic to you today for the reason that I heard a podcast or a panel discussion that engaged what I would consider the black elite managerial class. Some were business owners, some have made some money, uh, educated, and the conversation stemmed around the question, do black people play victim? Well, the conversation that is happening in mainstream society today is based on diversity, equity, inclusion. And I don't know, this could be a biased perspective on who's being asked to sit at the table to represent the underclass. Is it the black managerial elite class? Of course it is. No Fortune 500 company wants a person who doesn't have the quote unquote credentials to sit at the table to represent the voice of the people that they're trying to identify. Now, we have to ask ourselves, when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and then you include the black managerial class or the elite class, who do they truly represent? What perspective do they really bring to the table for diversity, equity, inclusion to truly exist? We also have terms such as implicit bias, and we have to ask the question, do the black managerial elite class have an implicit bias to the underclass. Of course, there's implicit bias for all of us to understand is something we consider to be subconscious that we have to be notified of. But is there a level that is discussed within the ranks of the black managerial elite class that then is exposed to the uh, systemic oppression or the system, uh, the proprietors of the system that we're trying to combat. 
And it's just done on purpose because we know that the think tank of people who either run the company, run the country, are intelligent enough to know that psychologically, these are issues that are taking place constantly. And if we engage and we keep people confused or constantly running around the mill, trying to figure out something that has no ending, which we consider to be rhetoric, then we'll actually get nowhere. Are, do black people play the victims? Are black people playing the victim? The reason that black people are in the streets has to do with the lives they're forced to lead in this country. Yes. Yes. By definition of the word victim, you must understand what the definition of the term victim actually means. We cannot assume that victim means what we emotionally connect the word to. But look at what the word actually means and in context. So here, we definitely love to present you with vocabulary. Sometimes the vocabulary might seem way out uh, and someone can get lost in what is being discussed. But if we actually go and we look up the definition of victim, and I'm gonna have the definition read to you now. Victim, noun, anyone who is harmed by another. An aggrieved or disadvantaged party in a crime, e.g. swindle. A person who suffers any other injury, loss, or damage as a result of a voluntary undertaking. An unfortunate person who suffers from a disaster or other adverse circumstance. A living creature which is slain and offered as human or animal sacrifice, usually in a religious rite, by extension, the transfigurated body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. Great. If we understand what the definition of victim means, then by definition, people have been abused, people have been killed. They are victims. If you've been duped or tricked, you're a victim. If you've been killed for religious reason, you're a victim. And we know the Ku Klux Klan uses crosses for what reason we might not know, but the cross is symbolic of Christianity, the swastika, a religious symbol was symbolic of Nazism. So yes, people play victim until they no longer play. Now, emphasis on the word play. In this panel discussion, the emphasis was on the word play. Although it wasn't interpreted that way, it was interpreted to be that the emphasis was on the word victim. But yes, we play victim. Because if we did not play victim, then we would have to actually go into negotiations or and warfare. And the reason for that is when you no longer play the victim, then you've been abused and therefore you retaliate. You're not, you're, you've been victimized, but you're not playing a victim, allowing it to continue to happen because you didn't assert yourself. Now, when we talk about being ashamed, and I, I love this poem by Langston Hughes, because we're talking about sitting at the table. So if we're going to sit at the table and we're going to have an equitable voice, then that equitable voice is asking its inner self, its subconscious, to stand and be recognized as an equal. And now you got to ask yourself, who's sitting at this table? 
Because if it's the managerial elite class and they're representing the underclass, do they understand the underclass desires, needs, and wants to be able to consciously engage equals on the opposite side? Now, that also means that we have to understand what we're asking for when it comes to something equitable. That's why when you look at foreign policies and there's negotiation, in South Africa, Angola, and other parts of the world, and even the way they're trying to bring the problems of the Jews in Russia into the United Nations because of violation of human rights. We believe that our problem is one not a violation of civil rights, but a violation of human rights. Not only are we denied the right to be a citizen in the United States, we're denied the right to be a human being. Because they're saying, we are a country too. We have a seat at the United Nations, United Nations. It doesn't say the United lower nations and the United Upper Nations. It says United Nations. So the smallest representative has the same powers as the largest representative. And then it comes down to a game of negotiations and relationships. So when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, are we talking about having an equitable representative who's equitable to the people that's at the table, who also understands who they represent well enough to then demand or negotiate through a process for equality. Now, this is, this, is, this is unpacking the idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion, because you cannot have uh, an inclusive conversation if you're standing on two different platforms. And then we say, well, that, we definitely understand that's not equitable. There's actually memes now going around in, in photos of people who have a misunderstanding of equity, where children are all trying to look over a fence. And equity shows that someone's box has to be higher than another just so they can see at the same height. If that's equity, then who are you asking to provide the box? Because if it's the guy that doesn't need the box and he benefits from looking over the fence. And he benefits in the system that we all are upholding. We're all upholding the system of competition, economics, improvement, productivity. We're all competing there. Because we've been taught that we are a competitive nation. We haven't been taught we are a cooperative nation, except when we cooperate on foreign policy with other nations. But within our nation, we haven't been taught that we're cooperating. We've been taught to compete. We've been taught to, to compete for recognition as those who uplift the nation. And then you have the argument that says, well, the nation was built on enslavement and victimization and abuse. And because the nation was built on these things, then we deserve to be recognized as contributors. The problem is, how can I recognize you as a contributor without giving up my position? And if I give up my position, then to what degree is there such thing as equity and inclusion? So I, I'm asking, have you really understood the conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion 
by unpacking it? Have we been able to look at it from the other side of the conversation? Is this a pointless conversation, a rhetorical conversation? Is this a conversation that does lead to reparations, but reparations in the form of equitable matter? And equitable matter cannot be fiat. It cannot be dollars. It cannot, because you can change what the value of something is because you own the means of production of that valuable thing. So what does that mean that we get to form our own currency? What does that mean when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion on this level? I mean, when we're looking at the workforce, you have a representative. and some workforces, they have unions that are supposed to be able to say, this is what workers demand to be fair for all the work that you're requiring of them. And they have representatives who have been voted on by people who share in the common gain and goal of the group. But when you look at medicine and you look at hospitals, what is equitable when you hire a black manager or elite to represent the underclass who have been mistreated in the world of medicine? What does it look like? Does it does that guy go out and say, hey, we need to build a hospital that is ran by the next upcoming generation of doctors? You need to make sure that you go and support a whole class of medical practitioners within schools of new thought that says that black people don't tolerate pain more or that black people shouldn't be victimized through um experimentation what does it look like to have a real conversation about diversity equity inclusion when i go into elementary schools middle schools and high schools and i see the majority of the students are of color but the majority of the teachers are not and then we look at the board of education and they say well black people don't apply and then you find out through the the whispers in the grapevine that so many black people have applied but their application was forgotten, lost, misplaced. And those same people are now working in other impoverished areas because those people are looking for them because their population is much bigger. I live in a city that at one time was controlled. The, the entire political system of the city I live in now was once controlled by the Ku Klux Klan. That represents a culture that was designed and continued up to this day. But we won't recognize that because the black manager elite class, one, does not know. Two, those that do are quiet because it's not considered an equitable or an inclusive conversation when we really look at the direction of education, the manufacturing of education, and we look at the success of those who went through the designed education system that we're trying to defeat culturally, generationally, because we've been taught to look at this statement, this question wrong. Diversity, equity, inclusion has nothing to do with being recognized for the same dollar amount. It's way deeper than that. But are we willing to unpack diversity, equity, inclusion to get down to the nitty gritty of it? All right, with that being said, you know how it goes here on The Aspiring Intellectual. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you next week. Check this out. Your assignment, 
check out James Baldwin versus Buckley on YouTube. I'm quite sure you'll get something out of it. Besides that, make sure you read a book. Now we have Mr. James Baldwin, the star of the evening, who has been sitting, listening attentively, getting a wonderful reception here in the Cambridge Union. Tremendous enthusiasm from all sides of the house for Mr. Baldwin, who has been listening to the arguments. Now we'll bring the voice of actual experience to the debate. Good evening. I find myself, not for the first time, in um, the position of a kind of Jeremiah. For example, I don't disagree with Mr. Burford that the, um, the inequality suffered by the American Negro population of the United States has hindered the American dream. Indeed it has. I quarrel with some other things he has to say. The other deeper element of a certain awkwardness I feel, it has to do with one's point of view, I have to put it that way, one's, uh, one's sense, one's system of reality. 